Hey everybody, welcome back to Pocket Politics, the official podcast of Voting Smarter. Voting Smarter wants to be your political companion that will help you navigate an election cycle that's already in full swing. Curious to see which candidate aligns most with your views? Take our candidate matchmaker, along with checking some upcoming deadlines, and much more with Voting Smarter. Download our iOS app from the App Store now. No matter which side you fall on, one thing is abundantly clear, I think. This election will be one of the most watched, contentious, and conflicting elections in modern American history. So as we prepare for the steady barrage of campaign ads, targeted marketing, and verbal jousting and mudslinging from both candidates, it got some of us here at Voting Smarter thinking. Was it always this intense? And with one of our writers and content contributors, Rory Vaughn, at the helm, we attempted to answer that very question in a new segment. Was it always like this? Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Month after month, Donald Trump failed us. Now, President Trump is beset by crises on all sides. I mean, this is really the perfect storm. There is no doubt about it. The 2020 presidential election is going to be hugely controversial. And if you cast your mind back four years to the 2016 election, that election was also contentious. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists. You can put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Yes, that's right, lock her up! If we're being honest, it can all seem a bit depressing and raises a lot of questions, especially for younger voters. Is it really just the way things are now? Is there any hope for the future and... As we like to ask on this podcast, was it always like this? There's a pretty fine line between uh, civility and brutality. Look, what we're trying to do around here is improve the tone and the civility of the debate. But we got to change the way we're interacting with each other. If you pay attention to the news, you will probably have noticed that a lot of people miss the good old days of politics. There's a lot of mourning over what is described as the death of civility in the past few years. To give you an idea of what I'm talking about, here are a few headlines from the past couple of years. The decade civility died. Are we killing politeness? Is civility dead in America? The message in all of these headlines is clear. Americans have lost the ability to disagree politely, and as a result, elections are only going to get more angry, more fraught, and more controversial. When you dig into the details, there are a lot of versions of this argument. The Democrats blame Donald Trump. Because I think it's important we restore the soul of this nation. This president has ripped it out. It's the only president in our history who has equated racist and white supremacist with ordinary and decent people. While the Republicans blame a number of Democrats, from Senator Elizabeth Warren... She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. To Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's possible that Ocasio-Cortez doesn't really know what she's saying. You'd like to think that she doesn't. Maybe she's just young and lacking wisdom and can't hear herself. Meanwhile, outside of the political parties, there's a whole host of opinions over whose fault it is. Some say social media caused it, some say it's cable news. Many older people blame the younger generations, while Generation Z seems to see it the other way around. Regardless of who is really to blame, everyone seems to agree that just a few years ago it wasn't like this. Things were better, less controversial. 
People point to Barack Obama's two presidential campaigns. Although there were certainly deep disagreements between Obama and his opponents, they were willing to be nice about each other. He's a decent family man, citizen that I just happen to have disagreements with on, on fundamental issues. I think he's a nice person. I just don't think we can afford him any longer. We may have battled fiercely, but it's only because we love this country deeply and we care so strongly about its future. It's hard to imagine today's presidential contenders saying things like that about each other. So is this just the way things are now? Are we doomed to get more and more divided for our elections to get more and more controversial? Not necessarily. If we look into America's history, there were times when elections were just as controversial as today, and even more so. George Bush, governor of Texas, will become the 43rd president of the United States. But this race is simply too close to call. And folks, in the year 2004, please, could you make up your minds a little more conclusively? <laughs> because I think we can't take another election like this no, one. No, no. Although a lot of people no longer remember the 2000 presidential election, the results raised a lot of questions that we are still grappling with today. As the polls closed in that election, Vice President Al Gore had a lead in the popular vote of over half a million ballots. However, winning the popular vote does not guarantee victory in the USA's electoral college system, a lesson also learned by Hillary Clinton in 2016. In 2016, Secretary Clinton lost the electoral college by less than 70,000 votes spread over three states. In the year 2000, the electoral college victory came down to just one state, Florida, and less than 1,000 votes. Today, many politicians are struggling with changes in how voters decide to cast their ballot, particularly the increased use of mail-in ballots that has been spurred in part by the coronavirus pandemic. There's tremendous controversy on mail-in voting. Back in the year 2000, they also had problems with new voting systems. Voting machines were becoming an important part of elections, but instead of using a touchscreen, this was 20 years ago after all, you had to punch a hole next to your candidate's name on a little card. By the way, these machines were called Votomatics, which tells you a lot about technology in the early 2000s. Anyway, there was always a chance that you wouldn't punch all the way through the card, or that the punched card might hold on a bit by the corner. These annoying little bits of cards, called hanging chads for some reason, became massively controversial since the Votomatics wouldn't count your vote if there was a hanging chad. And when some of the ballots were recounted by hand in Florida, there was disagreement over which ballots should even be counted. There are also similarities in the role of new media in the two elections. In the aftermath of the 2016 elections, everyone was debating the impact that social media sites like Twitter and Facebook had on voting. Back in 2000, everyone was talking about cable television. Although these days, it seems like cable TV news has been around forever, in 2000, it was the new thing. CNN had been around for a while, but outlets like Fox News and MSNBC were less than five years old, and they had an outsized impact on Election Day. Some have claimed that Fox News actually helped decide the election by reporting that George Bush won Florida before any other news network did, creating an extra layer of confusion in the hours and days of dispute and legal challenges that followed. Now, alongside the similarities, there are a lot of differences, between the 2000 election and more recent votes. To give just one example, listen to how the candidates spoke about one another. He has a distinguished record of service to our country as a congressman, a senator, and a vice president. Now is the time to recognize that 
That which unites us is greater than that which divides us. We will stand together behind our new president. It's hard to imagine our current presidential candidates talking about each other in terms like that. And of course, in the end, both sides accepted the result of the 2000 election, and four years later, George Bush won again. The 2004 result was far less controversial than Bush's first win. Although we can't predict the future, it is pretty hard to see the 2020 election, whatever the result, being less controversial than 2016. However, there have been times in American history where the contention and controversy ramped up between elections without calming down, which seems to be what is happening today. Let's go back to the 1960s. The first half of that decade, like the 2010s, seemed pretty great in retrospect. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. But as the decade drew on, things seemed to get worse and worse. President Kennedy was assassinated. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. The U.S. became bogged down in the Vietnam War. And the civil rights movement, which had such success in the early 60s, began to lose steam in the face of riots and white resistance to their cause. Law and order have broken down in Detroit, Michigan. More than 100 square blocks were decimated by fire and looters. A special task force of 1,000 policemen stays on the alert, and Los Angeles authorities say they are now ready to move with dispatch. The outbreak spread to other Southern California cities, but were quickly quelled. Everyone knew that the election of 1968 would be highly contested, but it was even worse than expected. The sitting president, Lyndon Johnson, was so unpopular that he dropped out of the race after the first primary election. I shall not seek, and I will not accept, the nomination of my party for another term as your president. This led to a competition within the Democratic Party for the nomination. Meanwhile, things seemed to just get worse and worse. Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight in Memphis, Tennessee. After Martin Luther King's murder, Robert Kennedy emerged as the leading Democratic candidate. He was the younger brother of President John Kennedy, and he aimed to bring Americans together by focusing on racial and economic justice while opposing the war in Vietnam. He was one of the only politicians in the country that people thought was capable of working with both white and African American communities. However, tragedy struck again in June. Senator Kennedy has been shot. Is that possible? Not only Senator Kennedy. Oh my God. Senator Kennedy has been shot. Robert Kennedy's assassination came moments after he won the California primary election. His death meant that there was no clear leader that could unite the Democratic Party, a fact that became clear at the party's nominating convention in Chicago. Inside the convention center, delegates argued, pushed, and shoved each other. Are you the one they're trying to throw out? There is a, an awful mess in the aisle here. The 
between the South Dakota and New York delegations. Well, just to recapitulate, the last five minutes down here have been taken up by what I, I think we could call technically a free-for-all. While out on the street, anti-war protesters and the Chicago police were pitching a fully-fledged street battle. It was as if the normal restraints on human behavior, having been lifted in Vietnam, were slipping dangerously in this country as well. The guards used tear gas, but the police used nightsticks. The convention eventually nominated Vice President Hubert Humphrey, despite the fact that he had not run in any of the primary elections, a move which enraged many of the Democrats' supporters. Meanwhile, on the Republican side, Richard Nixon had sewed up his party's nomination and was promising to restore law and order in the country. We look at America, we see cities enveloped in smoke and flame. We see Americans hating each other, fighting each other, killing each other at home. Did we come all this way for this? When the nation with the greatest tradition of the rule of law is plagued by unprecedented lawlessness, then it's time for new leadership for the United States of America. Nixon went on to win the 1968 election, but his victory didn't bring any sense of calm. Despite promising to end the Vietnam War, President Nixon actually expanded the conflict. American and South Vietnamese forces began crossing the frontiers of Cambodia. This naturally led to even larger protests against the war, which the government responded to with violence. In 1970, the National Guard confronted student protesters at Kent State University in Ohio and killed four of them. All of a sudden I heard the shooting. Meanwhile, the civil rights movement had begun to fracture as black activists disagreed over how to campaign for their rights. Let's get into the inner workings and the meaning of this, the meaning of a black revolution and why black people have a right to take what's theirs. The whole black nation has to be put together as a black army. By the time the next election came around in 1972, things were as fraught as ever in America. And then there was Watergate. The Democratic National Committee is trying to solve a spy mystery. How can you talk about blackmail and bribery and keeping witnesses silent? People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. The Watergate scandal was incredibly complicated, involving break-ins, money laundering, Cuban mercenaries, and even kidnapping, but it boiled down to this. Richard Nixon was using his power as president to spy on his political enemies and to cover it up. The scandal was so great that after two years of congressional and senate investigation, Richard Nixon was forced to quit. He is the only president who has ever resigned from office. I have never been a quitter, but as president, I must put the interests of America first. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. When you look through American history, there have been even more controversial elections. In the 1930s, there was a plot to use the military to overthrow the results of the 1932 election. In 1880, James Garfield won a contentious election only to be assassinated a year later by someone who wanted his vice president to have the job. And in 1860, the election of Abraham Lincoln led pretty much directly to the American Civil War. So, to come back to the question we asked at the start of this segment, was it always like this? 
The answer seems to be yes. Throughout American history, there have been contested, controversial, and even violent elections. However, that same history has a lot of hope to offer. No matter how divided Americans become, they always seem to come back together over time. Eight years after George Bush's controversial first election, Barack Obama won more votes than any president in U.S. history. Ten years after Richard Nixon resigned, Ronald Reagan won 49 states in his re-election. Even after the Civil War, Americans were able to reunite as a country. We're living through difficult times, but we're not stuck in them. Elections often divide Americans, but history shows that Americans are just as capable of coming back together. Let's hope we can start that process, whatever the results of the 2020 election are.